Welcome to the Stable Lakers <laughs> post game show uh, on Dash Radio. Thank you guys so much for coming to hang out. Man, this is going off the rails. And I think that, uh, man, I have, I have so many thoughts. So I, should, I should probably chill for a second and g- give you a second to give me your, uh, your quick instant reactions off of what you saw tonight, uh, particularly during the last five minutes and, and where you're at right now mentally. So just like full discretion, uh, today is actually Diwali, which is actually like a thing my family celebrates. So I'm actually at a family's house. Uh, we're actually they're actually having a party. So I thought, you know, I can kind of tune in and out of an OKC game that even without LeBron, we should be able to handle, you know, pretty easily. I was wrong. I was staring at my phone for the last six or seven minutes. I, I don't even know where to start with this. The first quarter seemed like it was the same as it was in OKC. Anthony Davis looked like he could have went for 50 if he wanted to. Um, I got to start, see most of the first quarter. I missed the second and third quarter and got to see the end of the fourth. So I'm going to have you kind of fill me in those second and third. Maybe I don't want to know. I don't know. Uh, so I know they went up like 19. I saw the box score. They went up 19. And I thought I can just kind of enjoy uh, my family's kind of <laughs> presence here at at this party but i guess not so if you can kind of fill me in this, the third quarter because that fourth quarter was absolutely awful it was ugly i saw shea hit like a 40 footer or something uh but well but yeah. so uh there's a very basic principle that i think that uh that shuts this uh laker offense down without lebron against oklahoma city in particular mm-hmm. and a lot of it has to do with lou dort he deserves a a, a, a the lion's share of the credit Because what ends up happening is he has the ability to switch onto both Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook, and he turns both of them into jump shooters. And so they're they're down the stretch Mm -hmm. of the game. It was a lot of um, it was a lot of Derek Favors and Lou Dort trying to defend these Russ and AD actions, and they weren't getting anything good out of them because Anthony Davis is content every time the team needs a big shot out of him to take a step back jump shot, which just doesn't go in ever. Um, uh, at this point in his career, which is a whole other thing that we need to discuss there. Because if Anthony Davis is not a stretch big and he's just a rim running big, that severely changes uh-huh. the dynamic of this team. That turns this from right. that turns this from a, a, a team that has the capability to unlock a lot of the best of what Russell Westbrook is. It turns that into all of a sudden something that could be a bit of a liability. And so, and we'll, we can get into mm-hmm. that later, but. The gist of it is the Lakers could not score against Oklahoma City in the half court unless Carmelo Anthony was making crazy contested threes. And the reason why is they were going yeah. underneath every single pick and roll with Russell Westbrook, and he is incapable of making teams pay for doing that. And Oklahoma City's post defenders were capable of forcing Anthony Davis into being a jump shooter, which he also uh, it can't make teams pay for um, but fundamentally, there is there is something wrong with this basketball team having to do with how much they depend on LeBron. And the reason why is last year when LeBron was out, they had this identity that they could fall back on that allowed them to remain somewhat competitive. And sure. that was their defense. This team obviously doesn't have that yet. Um, so now all of a sudden, when LeBron is out, they have nothing that they can fall back on. And from an X's and O's perspective, you know, if you think of it, the Lakers have no problem filling the center minutes because those are going to get split between some combination of Anthony Davis 
in the two big guys, Dwight and DeAndre Jordan. But at the power right. forward position, when LeBron is out there and he's playing 34, 35 minutes, everything makes sense because he's probably the best power forward in basketball, you know? So from that, from that standpoint, mm-hmm. everything seems to work. He, he is that backline defender when Anthony Davis at the five is defending screen and roll actions at the top of the key. For instance, there was a late action there. Uh, Mike Mascala and, and Shea Gilgis Alexander t- uh, pick and roll at the top of the key. And AD, AD trapped mm-hmm. on SGA. And there was a very simple pocket pass. And because it's not LeBron James on the back line to blow up the play, it's Russell Westbrook who it was just too small and ended up just fouling Mike Mascala as he made an easy left-handed layup. That's, that's a, 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 a linchpin in the entire defense and the way that it works that when it's not there, all of a sudden nothing makes sense. Why in the world would you want Russell Westbrook playing Draymond Green for you, being the Draymond Green role? You know what I mean? It's just, it's just not something he's mm-hmm. physically capable of doing. And, and, then on, and then on the offensive right. end, LeBron's ability to shoot the basketball off the dribble makes defenders chase over the top of those screens, which unlocks everything that him and Anthony Davis try to do at the end of these games. So LeBron James not being out there fundamentally breaks the Lakers on both sides of the ball, which is exactly why this isn't a good basketball team. Because in previous years, they were a good basketball team because they had an identity outside of LeBron James that relied on the defensive end of the ball. This team, without that, relies way too much on him. And he's 37. We're going to talk about it later today, later tonight. But at this age, that's a dangerous game, leaning on a 37-year-old guy to be the linchpin on both sides of the ball. And, and, and that, to me, is scary. Because you might look at yourself and say, hey, Russ and AD – we got enough talent. We should be able to win this game. But those two guys have specific limitations that when you get them in specific matchups against guys that turn them into jump shooters, all of a sudden nothing works. And that's a real problem. Yeah, so we spoke about this in the last OKC game, right? Because I remember you were saying something like, it's hard to judge this team without LeBron James. And I think that's totally true. Judging this team... Like someone asked me today in my mentions, like, are you worried about the LeBron James injury? And my response was really going to be like, to me, worrying about LeBron James being injured is kind of like that makes no sense. Because if LeBron's injured, then this team's not going anywhere anyway. But there's still a level of like you have to get to where they have to be somewhat competitive without him. Like LeBron, like I said, is not going to play 48 minutes. Russ and Eddie should be able to win these type of games against Oklahoma City t- the Oklahoma City Thunder that beat you already, and again, blowing another 19-point lead. I always talk about how defense isn't just effort. There are some issues here. I didn't like Russ on Lou Dort in terms of like his job was to be the help guy. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong there. Did that continue throughout the game as as Russ being the Lou Dort guy? I saw that in the first quarter and the fourth quarter where he was the guy that's supposed to kind of help off yeah, of. Yeah, and he and lost was supposed him to be the cheat guy. Am he I lost him several times, including, including yeah. the final sequence for the dunk. He was just recklessly double team right. at the top of the key. <laughs> and we talked about this over the summer. I want Russ on a guy where he has to focus, right? He has to be mentally engaged defensively. I don't like him on a guy like Ludort where it's his kind of job, even if it Vogel tells him to be the help guy, to stay in the paint. I just don't like that from a defensive kind of awareness standpoint. There was one play in the fourth quarter. I think he was on Kirk. Uh, what I forgot the guy's name who hit the third quarter. 
who hit the three pointer in the in the third quarter? Um, mm-hmm. Kendrick Williams. Kendrick Williams. Um, he was on he was on him in the corner. He just recklessly helped. Ball swung, swung. Russ was in no man's land. He wasn't helping at all. He wasn't trapping. He wasn't on his man. Kendrick Williams had a wide open three in the quarter and hit it. I don't like that. I guess, but again, like there just got there just has to be enough talent there where you have you have to be able to survive even if LeBron doesn't play against OKC. Like, what are you gonna do when you go play Dame on you know on Saturday or you play at Miami in a couple of days? Like. These are teams you have to rack wins up against, and OKC is one and six for a reason. Their only win is against us, and I don't think that's an accident. This is not a good basketball team. You should be able to defeat them without LeBron James. I just think there's a lot of things going wrong here. Again, AD, I'm not sure if his hand was bothering him. I know that he had an injury to his hand or finger or something like that um, before halftime. Uh, he finishes with 29. I think he had like 14 in the first quarter mm-hmm. or something. Like There's just something kind of missing there. <laughs> Russ at the end there where he was dribbling up the court. I don't know about you, but when I saw him start running full court, us down three, needing a three, I was a little bit worried there about his decision-making. I don't know. Maybe LeBron opens everything up, but there has to be something where we can kind of live, even if he doesn't play. And I'm just I'm just not seeing that uh, from the yeah, team right so now. Yeah, so Russ had two late-game gaffes that made no sense to me, including the mm-hmm. final three that he took. You know, it, it was almost like he dribbled up the court and he couldn't believe that they weren't intentionally fouling him. And so then he just decided to shoot instead of at that point, you know, I would just go with like that Villanova play that they ran when they won the national title a few years back where you just dribble really, really hard and have Carmelo Anthony kind of just trail behind you and give him, even if it's like a 26, 27 footer, that's going to give you your best chance. I mean, did anybody in the world think that rush shot was going in? I mean, like it just, it's just, not. he's, he's, he's a bad, he's a bad jump shooter, you know? And, and then the, on the on the play mm-hmm. where he turned it over a couple possessions prior, the same exact thing. It was like he they got to stop. They were in semi transition, and he just can't help himself. He looks up, sees all the bodies in the paint, and it's just like I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go and see what happens. <laughs> you know, like it's just like the you know it's it's <laughs> it's it's it's. it's, it's bull in a China shop behavior. You know what I mean? But that, that, that to me is like, mm-hmm. you know, so, so let, let, let's try to get around this for a second here. Cause no one in, no one in the world thought that the Lakers were going to win a championship without LeBron James. So we have to, we have to set that aside for a second and look at some Pretty of the sure. fundamental problems with the roster. Right. Cause even with everything that I'm saying about how the team's complete lack of anybody that can play power forward other than LeBron, you know, and, and I'm not talking about what Melo does because what Melo's doing right now is a, as an offensive player is kind of interchangeable with what you have at the two and the three, you know, he's, he's a spot up shooter, but, but defensively right. he can't play power forward. He can't be your backline, um, you know, roaming person that, that, uh, that blows up pick and roll actions as that third defender. He can't do that. So what you have to look at here fundamentally with the way the team is put together. And this is something that I was talking about with a buddy earlier tonight, like this team, if you look at the way that they were constructed in previous seasons, there was an obvious formula for success. That formula was Mm -hmm. we're going to defend the hell out of the basketball with these defensive minded players. And we have a defensive minded head coach who's arguably the best in the business at figuring out how to throw opposing teams out of rhythm. My favorite example of that is the 2020 playoff run in the way each successive round, he made these tweaks into, into very right. unique defensive approaches that threw really good defense uh, offensive players completely out of whack. 
That's what Frank deserves credit for. And then on the offensive end of the floor, it was, you know what? We have LeBron, who is arguably the highest basketball IQ in the league and in a, an offense in and of himself. And the problem is, is somehow in the Laker hierarchy, they convinced themselves that that was broken. When it wasn't broken, they just had injuries. That, the, the, if you, you and I have talked about this a lot over the last six months, the, what happened to the Lakers last year wasn't an offensive shortcoming. It was a groin shortcoming, literally. Okay, <laughs> like Anthony Davis's groin mm-hmm. failed, and the team fell apart as a result. Like the, the 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 there was a it was it was bad process from the beginning to look back at what happened in those seasons and decide that there was something fundamentally wrong with the way the team was put together, and not just an issue with Anthony Davis having a groin injury. You know what I mean? And and from that standpoint, mm-hmm. looking forward, I think you have to you have to address this somehow, right? So when LeBron comes back, if T, everyone says like, how is THT Nun and Ariza going to come back and completely fix this? I don't know, and they may not be capable of that. However, when they do come back, if it's not working, then the team does have to make changes, and that's something you have to keep in mind here. Is like I know it's it seems early but there appears to be something fundamentally broken with the way this is put together. And so from that standpoint, if when they start to get healthy, when LeBron comes back, when Ariza comes back, when THT comes back, when Kendrick Nunn comes back, if this doesn't look demonstrably different, and I mean like demonstrably, like you need to be blowing out the OKCs of the world, handily beating the Clevelands of the world and, and winning more often than not, against the Miamis and the Charlottes and the Bostons and the Milwaukee's like they're going to play in the next couple of weeks. If that's not the case, you, you, you don't want to go down with the shit because LeBron's 37. So you might have to consider packaging something like Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn. We talked about this a little bit in the Tuesday pod, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. the, the early returns are in here, guys, and this looks fundamentally broken. And, and it might just be a health issue, but we're not sure. And so if this doesn't turn around quickly when guys start to come back, I think they need to be ready to make a big change. Well, you talked about how the 2020 kind of team, 2019-2020 team, it's like identity even without LeBron was its defense, right? And how they can go to that. That's not this team, though. Like, I think that's pretty clear. Like, that's not going to be what this team is. And I think they have to kind of start leaning into, like, being an offensive team. I understand Vogel is going to continue to try to start DeAndre Jordan. I was kind of on that train early, but I think it's pretty clear that Russ just can't be effective in that mm-hmm. way. You know what I mean? Like it. When I was watching that first quarter, even though we were up, AD was hitting like step back jumpers and all that mid range pull ups, and that looks all great and fine when it's going in. But Russ still felt like he was playing in a phone booth. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it just felt like when he was attacking the paint, he was in a phone booth and putting all our hopes and dreams into like 20 year old THT 36 year old Trevor Reza. I think Kendrick Nunn's a really good defender. I think he's going to play. I just think like something with his team has to kind of switch. I don't think you can continue to start this where like Russ can't get comfortable offensively. And I thought I saw that at least in the first, first quarter and the fourth quarter when I was watching the offense just looks too bogged down. He's not in a rhythm. I don't know. Like, yeah, Again, LeBron's going to be out a week. Kendrick Nunn's still out probably another two weeks. We'll see with THT. I do think bringing four rotation back, four rotation guys helps. 
I just don't think that can be your prayer. Like there has to be some internal, like, yeah, we can't do this too bigs anymore. Like we have to kind of pick one maybe to kind of acquiesce to Russ to kind of let him play. And he was a plus six tonight. Just looking at the box score. Like I said, I missed kind of the second quarter. Uh, and maybe that was a good thing for <laughs> just for my health. Uh, but like, I'm, <laughs> but I missed like the second and most of the third, but he was a plus six. Um, Anthony Davis being a minus minus 14 in 38 minutes while he was 11 for 20. Maybe you can kind of, you know, fill me in on how that's possible. Um, he also put in 18 rebounds. But, like, I just think, like, there has to be, especially when LeBron's out, I think I have to kind of go all in onto the rust ball. Like, I think that's how this team was built. When, you, when you're playing guys like Wayne Ellington, Carmelo Anthony, Malik Monk, a bunch of minutes, Austin Reeves, I think he's a good defender. But still, I just think the identity of this team is like a run-and-gun run kind of team. I don't think you can go to this, like, just pure defensive lineup. The Rondo minutes... I'm still kind of confused by uh, even tonight. I understand what Vogel is trying to do there, add a little bit more playmaking. I just think you're like you're fixing one problem while making another. Uh, Rondo's effort on defense is just not there, and I I mean that's kind of expected. I guess he's an older player, but still, I thought right when he came in, I saw a couple of those minutes. Uh, the defenders went right at him. I don't know. Like this is just an inexcusable loss to me. You can't lose to OKC twice, let alone once, and uh, that's what they did. But yeah, I just think there has to be some kind of like switch here i don't think this you can just expect tht Ariza, and none to get back and everything goes everything is fine there's some fundamental issues here and i think you i don't think you can start the two bigs i think i was on that train but i think that train has left the station a long time ago i think russ's russ's play has made that pretty clear i don't know where else to kind of go with this game so ironically and actually you know this is something that i think vinay brought up a couple games ago particularly when mm-hmm. LeBron is out, they, they almost yeah. have to go two bigs because it's the only thing that gives them a legitimate chance to bother teams defensively because LeBron for all intents right. and purposes is a big, that's why this works. You know, like the only, when you see these small mm-hmm. lineups that work elsewhere in the league, it's because they have these like all NBA level wings. You're looking at, you know, uh, this, this team has Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on it. That's why they can go small. This team has Jalen Brown, uh, uh, you know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on the team, so they can go small. Or you know, even even Utah plays like a plethora of these guys that are in that six six to six eight range, and it kind of just makes everything work. But with the way that this Laker team is, where outside of LeBron and AD, all of your non centers are are either Carmelo, who's extremely slow, or are very small. And so that sort of limitation puts you in a position where that aggregate size and aggregate defensive length is too low when you don't have a second big out there. But regardless, looking forward, I, you know, some, <clears throat> some of mm. this is going to be on LeBron and AD. And, and the reason why I say that is like, you have to think that the Lakers, either through getting healthy or through the trade market, one of the two, they're going to find an assortment of, of role players that play the one through the three that can defend and shoot and do the things that they need to do within the system. And so like one of the, I brought this up at the beginning of the show, Anthony Davis is no longer a stretch big and that fundamentally changes the equation of this team. The uh, Anthony Davis being a big that stretched the floor and that caused problems for teams that played off of him is part of what made him a top five, six, seven player in the league. 
right now being basically a, you know, a glorified, slightly better, you know, offensive version of like a Rudy Gobert type, you know, where he, he can bully some guys inside and finish, but like he's, he's really struggling with anything outside of 10, 15 feet. And Rudy Gobert is a bad comp to be clear. I'm just saying there's a, there's a delineation, a clear delineation between this Anthony Davis and what we had in the bubble. That's, that, that's probably the better way for me to describe it. Anthony Davis from the bubble was a significantly better basketball player than this Anthony Davis. And there, there, everyone in Lakers Twitter is so quick to make excuses for him. And I'm sure you're going to see a lot of people that bring up the thumb tonight. But the reality of the situation is more often than not, when LeBron's not out there with him to put him in spots to succeed, he struggles to, to take command of the game when he's far and away the best player on the floor. There's not a damn person on that floor for either team that's in the same stratosphere as him as a basketball player. And he could not take over that game. And it's because he has completely lost the ability to make teams pay from the perimeter, which allows teams to basically pack the paint on him and turn him into a jump shooter. That's probably not going to make jump shots. And so there's two things here that need to happen for the ship to get right. Thing number one is Anthony Davis needs to find a way to regain his bubble form. I'm not sure how that is. This to me with his jump shot appears to be a mental thing that is way off of the train tracks, like way off of the train tracks. So I don't know how that comes back. It might just be, I, I think probably the best bet for him is hopefully this thumb injury isn't serious and he can get a good consistent chunk of this season where he doesn't sit games and he plays every night and just through rhythm and consistency and conditioning and comfort, he regains some of that bubble form. But Anthony Davis needs to regain bubble form. Two, LeBron James needs to be available to this team. Now, this is something that I was critical about, uh, of him from uh, earlier today. And some of this is out of his control. But, like, you know, there's two angles to look at this here. Either LeBron is being overly cautious because he sees the big picture of the long season, which is probably the truth, or there's some you know, age and attrition starting to show here. But regardless, I'm not going to get too much further into what he needs to do. Aside from the fact that him not being available, this team can't float without him because Anthony Davis isn't the same player he was in the bubble. Bubble Anthony Davis with this group would win a lot of basketball games, but it's not. And so LeBron needs to come back and LeBron needs to come back and be here consistently long enough for Anthony Davis to regain his form. But the bottom line is like this team was constructed on two guys that were supposed to be top five or six players in the league. After they won the title, everyone, a lot of folks were saying LeBron's one, Anthony Davis is two. Well, right now that number one was wearing street clothes tonight. And that number two uh, had Lou Dort on him in the post and had no ability to do anything other than take a step back jump shot that he can't make. So that's the problem right now. Um, you know, that's the harsh reality. I know that's, I know a lot of those things that I just said, aren't going to sit well with a lot of people on Lakers Twitter, but that's just the reality of the situation. And until those two get on the court and get back to where they were when they were at the top of the league, then they're not going to be able to cover up for some of the shortcomings of this roster. And I don't care if the best role players of mankind are coming back. If those two guys aren't those two guys from the bubble, this team isn't going anywhere.
Whoop, I lost Raj for a second. Let me get him back up here. Yeah, sorry, my connection kind of went out. But, uh, you're good. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, this team's going to fall back on his three stars, and I think that's totally true. LeBron being out shouldn't affect a game, like, against OKC. Again, it's still one game, I guess, just to put it in perspective. Like, OKC's not going to make the playoffs, it looks like. I just think there's issues here that are larger than just this game, though. Like, I'm looking at the defensive issues. I still think Carmelo's playing a ton of minutes, even though he's been an absolute inferno. We'll see when Ariza gets back. AD's always been a finisher, and that was the point of kind of getting Russell Westbrook, was to make him kind of be able to be more of a finisher in that way. And it's just not connecting towards, like, wins and losses. Like, their defense just isn't right to me, blowing all these big leads. I talked about it when they blew it against Oklahoma City. Like, you, that can kind of extend. Like, that can kind of sit with you as well, and it can kind of mess you up mentally. And I don't know if that's what was the reason tonight, if that's why they blew the lead. But I just think they shouldn't be this over-reliant on LeBron. There's some lineup stuff that we can do, and maybe Vogel's just going to be spearheaded and continue to do this. I understand what you're saying where you have to kind of play two bigs uh, with LeBron out. I just think with this team, it, it's so offensively-minded focused. That, like, I don't think you can go to that. You can't just, I don't think you can start this too big lineup and it'd be successful. I think Russ just can't get in a rhythm that way. AD is still kind of taking all these tough shots. OKC kind of switched a lot of stuff. They had Dort on him and the paint's packed. I don't know. There's just a lot of weird things going on here. I'm really interested to see how they respond on Saturday against Portland. I think Dame's going to be a really tough matchup coming off a loss against OKC. And LeBron's going to be out a while, like, I know they said a week. We'll see. Um, but I, they're going to have to start a fight lineups that are successful without them. And tonight wasn't really a step in that direction. I talked about how I like the second units uh, with uh, Russ and AD kind of playing that 1-5 kind of screen and roll game with shooters around. And maybe Ariza and THD coming back help that. Maybe none helps that. But, like, I, I think seeing those guys as saviors isn't, it just isn't the right way to kind of look at this. Uh, LeBron's going to be out a little bit while, a little while, and just being the over-reliance on him, he's in year 19, man. Like, we have to be able to find lineups that are successful without him, and we're just, we're not seeing those. We, we still have a negative net rating without him this season. I think we're, like, negative .2 or something where LeBron sits for the season. Like, that's that's crazy to me with Russ and AD manning a lot of these lineups. So, I don't, I don't know where they kind of go from here, I guess. We'll see if the starting lineup changes. I I really liked Russ and AD starting at the five, but we'll we'll see if that continues. On they just day. can't do it without LeBron. They can't run AD at the five lines yeah. without LeBron, unfortunately, because of the the way right. it's constructed. Like if you had the twenty twenty Lakers, and it's like I've got I've got mm-hmm. Danny Green out there, and I've got KCP out there, and I've got Kyle Kuzma out there, and I've got Avery Bradley out there. Hell yeah, man! I'm running AD at the five all night long, and I like my chances. But it just, right. it just doesn't work with this group of guys. And, I mean, and, you know, come, coming back to mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook for a second, like this is something that you and I respectfully have, have kind of deviated from each other. You know, I, I don't think Russ is a star. I look at him as someone it's kind of just a better version of Dennis Schroeder. That's the, that's the way I look at him in this <laughs> regard. And, and to be honest with that's you, rough. <laughs> to tell, I know, but to t- so let, let, let's be clear. If I said, Hey, here's this basketball player, here's this basketball player, player a, okay. Now for player a to mm-hmm. succeed, 
literally everything has to be catered exactly to his strengths and weaknesses. If they're not, he's not going to be able to do anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you play the wrong lineup, he right. won't be able to score. If you play him without somebody who's got a higher IQ than him or, or more cachet than him, then he's going to be a bull in a China shop late in games and make poor decisions. You know, if he's not, you know, if we don't trade Clint Capella to get him out of the paint so that his lesser version of himself can get to the paint, then he's not going to succeed. Like then that, 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 that describes what, what you're describing is a limited basketball player. It's like, Car- it's like Carmelo Anthony, like, Carmelo Anthony has been very good for the Lakers. Why? Because they're asking him just to capitalize on defensive attention put on someone else. If you ask, if you shift off Carmelo Anthony to Oklahoma City and ask him to run their offense, I guarantee you it would be ugly as all hell. And 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 that's kind of the the thing. Like I I look at Russ as a player that with AD at the five later in the season when this team is healthy and has all their wings. And in specific playoff matchups, he can be a guy that can raise your ceiling as a guy that can attack specific mm-hmm. matchups and a guy that can that can have big nights that can help you win playoff games. And then when he doesn't have it, he can fall into the background a little bit and let better players take over. But if you're sitting on your couch right now thinking Russ is the one that has to carry us to the promised land, I hate to break it to you guys. He just can't do it. That's not who he is anymore. There was a play late in this game. Uh, he actually had a nice little left-handed layup uh, towards the end, uh, surrounded by all the crap. Uh, but he had another one where he got into the lane, mm-hmm. palmed, palmed the ball with his right hand, took off from the semicircle, and there's just no lift there. And he ended up throwing the ball into the bottom of the rim. That's Russ now. That's Russ in 2021. Russ in 2021 is the guy that on some nights he'll look like he's got that burst, and most nights he won't. And if things aren't perfectly set up for him to succeed, he's going to struggle. That's, that is the Russell Westbrook experience, in my opinion. And I know you're higher on him than I am, and, and that's fine. And I'm not trying to say you're wrong or anything. I'm just giving my two cents. But, like, I think that pretending as though the mm-hmm. magic fix for all of this is, like, lean into Russ Ball, I, I just respectfully disagree with that. Because I think if you want to play Russ Ball in 2021, you're going to lose a hell of a lot of basketball games. Yeah, I mean, when I say lean into Russ ball, it's also kind of lean into like Russ and AD ball, right? Because I feel like doing this like to, again, like I thought DeAndre Jordan would be able to be a kind of facsimile of JaVale McGee in that way. It just hasn't kind of worked out. Again, that's kind of more acquiescing to Russ. But when I say like play Russ ball, I mean, play kind of what this team was built around, right? Like this team is not the 2019-2020 team. Like it just isn't that they don't have the defenders to kind of play that way. I know Vogel has his system and it's going to be tough to kind of convince him to be like, Hey, like, you know, the way that you won the championship. Yeah. Scrap all that. We're going to play, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like we're going to play differently. Like, no, Vogel wants to play this drop coverage. Uh, they call it the no roller behind, right? Where the big kind of stays with the center, but our bigs just aren't uh, able to do that. And we talked about it over the summer though. Like when you trade for Russell Westbrook, you know what you're getting, right? Like it's not like they traded for Russ and they don't know that this is, who he is and it's about adding this production next to the two other stars and maybe without lebron this is just how it looks maybe that's what the team is we've kind of seen what ad and no lebron lineups look like the last few years they've been pretty terrible as well right and then now the russ and ad lineups have been okay i felt like in a few i feel like it was trending upwards but now you pull lebron out you plug in rondo you plug in deandre jordan 
it just hasn't looked right. And maybe Vogel's still kind of experimenting. But it's not that I'm, like, higher on Russ. I just feel like, like, uh, no disrespect to, like, Dennis Schroeder or nothing like that. But Russ put up 27, 9, and 5. And, again, like, we talked about this last game. But not 9, sorry. Uh, I'm trying to get his numbers here. Russ tonight was 27, 5, and 6. Uh, four turnovers. Again, stuff you can kind of live with, plus six. I kind of got to go back and rewatch the game. But that kind of production is something that you should be able to build along with our two stars. Like, that's when you add it. And again, you can kind of qualm about the numbers. They are what they are. 27, 6, and 5 is kind of what it is. That's where I was going with that. But it's just like the other lineups just haven't been successful with it. We're still playing just a lot, again, a lot of Carmelo Anthony. And maybe that gets fixed with the rotation. But that's kind of what I mean by go into rust ball it's not just about rust it's about the team that was built it's this team that's supposed to run and score high level and defend at a baseline amount to where you can kind of win those minutes and that hasn't happened the defensive identity is just not there and maybe that's because you're playing rondo carmel anthony you plug in wayne ellington another minus defender into this who was one for five from three as well i'm a little bit worried about his shot but again whether you play with Wayne Ellington and Malik Monk, you have the same defensive issues there. This is a team that kind of has to lean into her, their offense. That's what I mean by Russ Ball. I don't mean that, like, yeah, just acquiesce everything to Russ. It's just, that's what this roster is right now uh, without Ariza, without none, who's a little bit better of a defensive guard. Uh, like, I think that's what you have to lean into, or we're going to lose a lot of these games. These leads are getting blown 19, 26. Like, that's. That shouldn't happen. And that, that's kind of. No, you're right. And, and look, here's the thing the, for Russ AD Ball to work, AD needs to be a stretch big. Mm-hmm. That that's 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 yeah. kind of the the problem here is like like I said, fundamentally, Oklahoma City at the end of these two games exposed Russ and AD as guys that would turn into perimeter jump shooters if you got up under if you if you took away the paint from them, and they were when they would run those action like in a weird way bringing a pick and roll over is almost bad for both players because it kind of, um, it, it kind of uh, just by the way Oklahoma city was guarding it kind of made their decision for them. I almost think you're better off just spacing the floor and having AD go into the corner and, <clears throat> and having Russ just try to get ahead of steam and go to the rim because at this point, Dort is just going underneath that screen and Derek favors is also in a drop. And it's like, there's just nothing open when they run those actions. So it's just, it's just tough, but regardless, right. anyway, let, let's try to bring this back to some positivity here. Cause like, <laughs> cause I, 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 I <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I've, I've, you and I have always prided ourselves on shooting you guys straight. Like, you know, this is not, this is not Laker yeah. propaganda. If you're looking for that, you should probably go somewhere else. I'm just going to be honest with you. This isn't LeBron propaganda. This isn't Laker propaganda. This is just, we're going to call it like we see it. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. that said, everything about what the Lakers are right now doesn't change what they can be. This Laker team very much still can Sorry. achieve championship form. This team still has a championship ceiling in a weird way. Everything we've seen in the last few weeks just shows that they have a long way to go. So the the, the reality yeah. of the situation is in the immediate future, you've got to try to find a way to be competitive without LeBron. And the way to do that, in my opinion, is uh, to, in my opinion, is to play two bigs. In your opinion, is to lean heavily into Russ AD ball, regardless of what it is. They have to find some way to be more competitive right now. 
Then, when LeBron comes back, Rob needs to be very attentive to the way this team looks as the guards and the wings get healthy and and be prepared to potentially make a move. Um, you know, at the, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, the Lakers do – one of the things that, you know, the, the Laker roster was mischaracterized in a lot of ways this offseason is, oh, it's just old guys or, oh, it's just veteran minimum guys. And it's like, eh, well – Actually, it's it's old guys mixed with young guys. There are what at least four core rotation players that are 28 or younger, um, and there are some legit draft. Uh, uh, excuse me, some legit contract assets on this team. Um, you know, Malik Monk, even as bad as he's looked this year, there's not a team in the league that wouldn't want him for the veteran minimum. Um, there's not a team in the league that wouldn't want Kendrick Nunn at the five and a half million or whatever he makes. So. At the end of the day, you know, it's very important for Rob um, to really carefully watch the way this ship goes when the pieces start coming back. Because sometimes, you know, kind of like with the 2018 Cavs, sometimes there's just something off with a group for whatever reason. Sometimes it's chemistry. Sometimes it's a basketball fit. Sometimes it's, you know, attitudes, you know, obviously there was some attitude problems with the 2018 Cavs stemming from Isaiah Thomas and from Jay Crowder, you know, and then all all of a sudden they Mm -hmm. swap a bunch of mediocre players for a bunch of other mediocre players like Larry Nance and Rodney Hood. And all of a sudden the team just takes (laughs) off, you know, and, and that's, that's because basketball is a living organism. There's Bill Simmons talks about this in his book. He calls it the secret. It was something that Isaiah Thomas used as the, uh, you know, what, what he claimed was the reason why the Pistons in the late 80s won their championships. And it's just sometimes there's just a just a concoction that takes place with the basketball team that's just off. And sometimes that concoction is just on. And, you know, mm-hmm. the thing that you do, do at some point we were, we're through what, nine games now. At some point, if this concoction yeah. was right, it'll it'll hit a stride. And if we see a stride in the next couple of weeks where the guys are all healthy, they win a bunch of games in a row and they beat some good teams, then you could say that this team has the secret. But if for whatever reason, this doesn't come together over the first 30, 40 games of the season, it might be one of those things where you got to make a lateral move, moving, you know, two guards for a wing or a wing for a wing or, you know, a buyout guy here and a waving a guy here or whatever it is. But you know, they need to get this concoction right so that the so that the, this particular basketball team gels the way that it's supposed to, if that makes sense. Yeah, and like you talked about, kind of Rob needs to look at the team. Like, to me, it's early to, to kind of speak on that. Like, that's probably more of the trade deadline, right, when most when teams kind of would make moves. I still want to see this team healthy. For sure, before, 100%. Uh, I kind of <laughs> – before, yeah, before I start trading pieces off. And, and you're right, there's still a bunch of – like, I feel like they were finding things. You know, the LeBron injury is so unfortunate. Obviously, he is a big part of this team, a huge usage. I don't think it is, it's an excuse for losing against OKC, but I thought they were kind of building towards something. You know, like there was like a ladder that they were going up, even if there was against bad teams like Houston. I just thought there were lineups they are starting to find, especially that second unit that I kept talking about. Like, I thought they found something there, and now that's all kind of destroyed – we're getting all these Rondo minutes. And again, Rondo, bless him, he was amazing in that playoff run. I just think in the regular season, 
it's just ugly when you like I was looking at some of the lineups that people were kind of posting about Rondo, Dwight Howard, you know, next to Bazemore and a couple of like non-shooters. Like those kind of lineups are going to get destroyed on the floor. Like that's just what's going to happen, even against a team like OKC. Again, Shea was awesome tonight. Like sometimes that happens. It's just that I feel like there is some positive you can take. It's just they have to start to find. Like you can't go and just lose a bunch of games now because LeBron is out. You know, like he's out for a week. It's going to take some time. We'll see how much longer that is. But you're going to play some good teams here, and they have to start to find lineups. And that's why I would kind of – maybe you don't start two bigs, but at least like kind of move into this more offensive mode here uh, instead of trying to fit them into this like defensive kind of lineups that, that we're kind of seeing. And, and maybe you know Carmelo has to play a bunch. I just don't like him playing next to like Dwight Howard. You know, like I just feel like those kind of lineups also are going to blow a bunch of – defensive assignments like there's little things they can do it's not all doom and gloom but there are some like inward looking that that has to go on here before we just start to try to trade a bunch of people like i want to see the four rotation guys back and maybe we judge this team until then i just i want to see a little bit more inward or develop a little bit more care uh, i don't like russ on the, like i said lou dord types where he can just relax defensively like i want him on some on ball kind of assignments there's little things we can move on here but there's some bigger kind of issues here that we have to solve as, as we go into these better teams. You know, you, that's why I said, like, you want to, you want Rob to just pay attention as the team gets healthy to whether or not this is going to work. That's what I mean. Like I, obviously you don't yeah. trade everybody right now. There's no point in making mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a serious evaluation of this team until everyone's healthy. That's, that's step one. Um, you know, what you were saying too is really interesting. Like, I would say start AD at right. the five, play defensive players in that lineup. So play a Bazemore, play a Reeves next to Russ with AD at the five so that that team can float defensively. And then when Russ is off the floor, I'd go AD with a second big. And then you play like a Monk with that group or an Amelo with that group so that those guys just chase guys off the three-point line and funnel into your two bigs. And just as a way to try to like kind of fake it till you make it, so to speak, until LeBron comes back. Um, I wanted to, you know, before, you know, and we can, we can call it here in a few minutes. When I wanted to read this tweet from Darius Oriano, because this is the ultimate silver lining. If you're looking for something to make you feel like this might be okay, This is it right here. If you remove, and I'm quoting Darius Oriano here, if you remove DeAndre and Rondo from the lineups, here are some Lakers stats per cleaning glass. This is from before tonight's game for the record. Russ and AD on the floor, plus 14 net rating. Russ and LeBron Mm -hmm. on the floor, plus 6.2 net rating. Braun and AD on the floor, plus 7.3 net rating. All three on the floor, plus 12.7 net rating. Now, why does that matter? A couple reasons. First of all, Rondo and DeAndre Jordan probably aren't going to play much in the playoffs, if at all. Okay. Um, if, you, if you do yeah. see DeAndre Jordan in the playoffs, it will be in game one of a playoff series before they get rolled, and then they immediately pull him, which is exactly what happened with JaVale in the 2020 playoffs. Okay. So that's what you would see from DeAndre Jordan. And same, Rondo just won't sniff the floor at all. And so the way you got to look at it is those numbers look pretty damn good when you factor in the fact that this team has no defensive identity, is struggling to figure out how to play together, and has had a really inconsistent 
you know, uh, lineups having to do with injuries. So the silver lining is when they play real, you know, core lineups that are missing the bad basketball players on this roster, they've been really successful with the, with those pairings, mm-hmm. uh, despite the fact that quite frankly, they haven't played well. So that would be your silver lining. Um, but, but to your point there, you, you can't ignore, you can't ignore the fundamental problems that lead to a Russ and AD team losing to Oklahoma city, you know, uh, on your home floor, you can't ignore those problems. But like I said, if you're looking for a silver lining, that's your silver lining. This team, especially with, uh, with playing real NBA players has been pretty successful and the vast majority of the struggle that this team has gone through has been a product of injuries and Frank's unwillingness to bench DeAndre Jordan. If you look beyond those two things, they've been okay. And so that would be, like I said, that's, if you, that, that, that can be, you know, kind of the thing that we end on tonight is just that silver lining. And, and obviously I want you to give your opinion on that as well, but that's kind of where I'm at as a, like kind of put a bow on everything tonight is that as for as bad mm-hmm. as it's been, there are, there are some little, you know, positive nuggets in there underneath it all. Yeah. And I think we're both kind of more optimists in terms of like, at least we were for this team. Those are, you know, great numbers. And I think that is true. DeAndre Jordan probably won't play in the playoffs when it matters. Rondo, I'll wait and see, you know what I mean? They can say they want. Um, I think in the playoffs, Rondo will still get some time, but, but you're right. There have been lineups and that's what I was talking about. There was, they were kind of building something. And again, it wasn't against great teams, but still like it was a four game win streak. They were kind of feeling out the team. And I felt like Russ was finally getting his bearings and kind of being comfortable with the team. That's why I said this LeBron injury is so unfortunate because I thought they were kind of starting to build these better habits, even though against Houston, they kind of gave up 70 points in the first half and the second half, they really did turn around. Uh, I I was looking up, I think some net ratings, Earlier, LeBron James was like a plus. The Lakers were like plus 12.2 when LeBron was on the floor the last five games. Just about absolutely killing. There's some teams still here. We'll see against Portland, I guess, on Saturday. Uh, but there are some silver linings. But, I mean, losing against OKC second time in a row, this isn't like something that caught him off guard. There's definitely something when, you know, the other team goes on a run. Uh, the team's just not able to stop it. And maybe that's just how the Russ AD lineups have worked. Maybe the answer is just stop playing DeAndre Jordan and Rondo, but that's not going to happen for a week at least. Um, but, you know, this team's going to go through a mental shift. Four rotation players you throw in uh, is not nothing. You know, that's a whole bunch of minutes that you're throwing in, all new lineups, all these other five-man lineups that you're going to get, all these new kind of rotation players playing together. We'll see uh, when that happens. Uh, but, yeah, this is a tough one. Uh, it's good to see those silver linings, I guess. Uh, but losing against probably the worst team in the league isn't, isn't great, but those you're right. Those are some good silver linings to kind of fall back on as we wait for the next one. Yeah, I think it's good for us to end on a positive note. Uh, everyone who came on and, <laughs> and requested to speak, I, I appreciate you guys. We're going to go ahead and call it tonight. Uh, this just turned into a event session, but uh, on Saturday night, we, we <laughs> will take more callers, I promise. So for those of you who came and wanted to speak, please come back on Saturday um, and we will give you a chance to. Uh, as always, we sincerely appreciate your guys' support. Raj and I continue to be blown away by how many of you guys choose to come hang out with us after these games. 
And uh, yeah. um, in the meantime, hang tight. This is going to air on Dash Radio tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And we'll be on our podcast feed under State of the Lakers here in about 30 minutes or so. But thank you guys so much and enjoy the rest of your night. Appreciate it, everyone. Thank you.